Mother's Day to all the mums. Thank you. Um, I just want to uh, quickly say uh, some prayers for some people that aren't here today uh, because of different things going on. Uh, pray for Don Holt. He's still in hospital after having a back operation last week. So we're going to take a moment to pray for him as well as Margaret Demulin who had a cataracts done. Um, so praying for her. Also Lou Nelson's at home still with a chest infection. So want to pray for her and I'm sure there's many other needs here as well and it'd be a great moment as well to pray for mums. Is that okay? Because like Julie said earlier, Mother's Day is one of those days that can be conflictual um, because not all of us have great experiences or our mums aren't here anymore and, uh, and so we can sometimes feel conflicted celebrating Mother's Day. So we understand that and but we also understand we have a God who is always with us and cares and is always there. So he's always there to walk through these moments with us. Amen. So I'm going to ask, this might be a bit embarrassing, but I'm going to ask all the mums to stand. Is that all right? If all the mums can stand. Look at that. It's amazing. Mums to be as well. Mum and mum to be. Another child along the way. It's fantastic. And I'm just going to ask people to gather around them. And we're going to pray for them and also pray for those who we thought of as well. So why don't you, if uh, others can stand as well and stand next to them and stand with them at this time and just pray with them, that would be wonderful, awesome, awesome. Let's make sure every mum's got someone with them. Let's not have any mums alone. Wonderful. Lord God, we thank you for mothers we thank you for who they are and what they represent in our lives. And we know it's not always easy being a mum or, or travelling that road. And I just pray for each one of these mums that even today would be a special day for them. would be a significant day of healing and, and restoration. And Lord God, we just pray that your hand would be upon them and just bring blessing and comfort to them right now. And let them know that you're with them in these times. Bring peace. And joy, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. We also think of those who aren't here with us due to sickness and we pray for them, Don and Margaret and Lou. Just pray that your hand be upon them, Lord God, at this time and bring healing and strength to their bodies. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give a mum a hug. And, uh... Awesome. All right. Who's been enjoying our series on God Is? Remember? Yes. Some people remember. But we're talking about God's nature and his character, or his character and his nature, and how the two are inseparable, and that we've looked at God is faithful, and God is near, and God is grace. And last week I talked about God is love. And today I'm going to look at another character trait of God or the nature of God. And it actually came to me last week as I was preaching about love. And one of the scriptures I shared, there was something in it that really jumped out at me. And the scripture is 1 John 3 verse 1, which says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You can see there that word lavished is the word that jumped out at me. What do you think of when you think of the word lavished? You're allowed to yell something out if you like. This is, sorry? Plenty. Plenty. What else? Banana caramel cream pie. That's lavish. Very good. What else? Spoiled. Very good. Yeah. Generous. Fantastic. Anyone else? Can't hear you. Extravagant. Yes. Extravagant. That's a good one. Got anything else? Abundance. Very good, Doug. Abundance. Excessive. What else? Anyone got one more? One more. Overwhelming. Very good. Lots and lots. Overwhelming. And that, they're all things that are very true, true about something that is lavished on us. And um, I, I thought, where do, does it say lavished anywhere else in the Bible? And I discovered that it only says it one other time in the New Testament. And my clicker's not working. It's on. Yes, thank you. Thanks for that, Jude. <laughs> ah, there we go. In, in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, it says, In him, talking about Jesus, God, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in, according, in accordance to, with the riches of God's grace. What's it say? That he has lavished on us. Isn't it really interesting, if you look at these two verses, that the two things that God has lavished on us is love and grace. Isn't that incredible? And at, like all those answers that you said are totally right. The abundance, the extravagance and all of those things. And the, the picture that I get in my head, a bit like the banana cream caramel pie, but when I think of lavished, I, I get the picture that it's a banana cream caramel pie that never runs out you get that that you eat it and then you put the leftovers in the fridge and when you go back it's a full banana cream caramel pie again is that does that sound like a dream to anyone sound like just the most wonderful thing ever that your favorite dessert that you could imagine that every time you ate it and you put the plate back in the fridge the next day you'd go back and it would be a new one all ready to go and this is the idea is that when we talk about lavished, it's this the idea that God's abundant grace and love that he gives to us, he doesn't keep it for himself, but he bestows it upon us. And it will never, ever be exhausted. How good is that? And it's with this in mind that I want to share the next character trait and nature of God. And it's this idea, as Brian said, our God is generous. Our God is generous. Now remember, when we talk about God's character and his nature, we need to understand that God doesn't just act generously. He is generous. In other words, it's not something that he does, it's something that he is. This is he, our God is generous. Now we know very clearly the Bible says to us 
really clearly that he is a giver. Our God is a giver. We often quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But this idea of God being a giver is, is more than what we understand in the fact that he is a generous giver. I want to share with you some other scriptures around, oops, that's not the right one. Where is it? There it is. Around 1 Timothy 6, 17, which is around this idea of God being generous. It says, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. How good is that? God gives us richly all things to enjoy. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God does, hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why boast through though you have accomplished something on your own? As though you have accomplished something on your own. Because everything we has has been given to us by God. And then Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How incredible is that? This idea that our God, the giver, is not just someone who just gives us little bits here and there and just to keep us, appease us and just keep us happy. No, when God gives, he doesn't just give out of his abundance, but he generously gives all of himself. I want us to just pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you are and this idea that you have lavished on us everything of yourself for our benefit. And God, help us understand this concept. Help us grasp a hold of it so it would transform our lives and change the way we see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, often when we talk about generosity, we often think about it from this point of view, this idea that I will be generous when my life is in a place where I can be generous. I don't know about you, but people have often said to me this statement, when I win cross lotto, when I win the lottery, when I win Powerball, when I win... Um, What's that, the medical lottery or whatever it is, the research lottery. Anyone entered that? I have, yeah. I'll be honest. Got the pamphlet, oh, I'm going to try this out. And we got a $70 David Jones voucher. Very exciting. But the fact is, sometimes we think, if only I had more, and if I had more, I could give more. But can I be as bold as to say that that isn't generosity you see simply for me generosity is an attitude that wants to give whatever we can no matter what place we find ourselves in I'll say that again generosity is an attitude that wants to give whatever we can it's not just about finances. It's not just about resources. It's about a lot more than that. No matter what place we find ourselves in. And this is God's example to us. He gives everything of himself to us. 
He doesn't just give out of his abundance. He thinks, oh, I've got a little bit of love and grace left over here, so I might just give mankind a bit of that. No, the Bible teaches us that he gives everything of himself. And let me share with you a couple of examples that, that show us this. And the first one is creation. Now, the first word used for God in the Bible is the word Elohim. Does anyone know what Elohim means? Where's our? Close, but not quite. It is basically God the creator. If we, if we dig into that a bit more, it means God the giver of life and everything we have. So it's pretty straightforward. God is the giver of everything we see around us. He has given us all of it. And we, for us to understand the magnitude of what this means, we need to consider how God has given us the creation that we see. And I, I read a really interesting idea about this and how generous God has been to give us creation. And it was from Nicky Gumbel, who's the guy who founded Alpha Courses. And he talks about the fact that in creation, God has been extravagantly, lavishly generous. And the incredible thing that he, he points out is this idea of the orchid. And he says, you know, God has been so generous in creation that he, he has given us orchids. But when he decided to give us orchids, how many varieties of orchids do you think he gave? And for most of us, I don't know what you think, but for me, I reckon, well, if you gave us 50 different varieties, that's pretty good. Maybe 100, that would be even better. That's pretty generous, giving 100 different varieties of orchids because... How many different varieties of orchids do you really need? Some people you go, oh, not enough. There's not enough in the world. But they're beautiful things. Uh, but the reality is, do we need that many? But, but in nature, they have discovered that there are over 27,000. Wow, that got a wow. <laughs> 27,000 plus different varieties of orchids. Why would God do that? Other than the fact that he wants to be generous to his creation, that he wants to give us these things that are really are there not for anything else but for our pleasure to look at and enjoy, but he abundantly and extravagantly and lavishly gives us 27,000 different varieties of orchids. How incredible is that? This is our generous God, and in nature we see that. And this is the thing that it says in Romans 1. It talks about the fact that no one has an excuse not to believe in God because nature reveals God to us. And what that says to me is that God has put all of himself in nature so that we would know who he is. He hasn't held anything back. So every time you see a sunset or a sunrise, you know God is faithful. Isn't that right? When you look at, yesterday I was driving down the Esplanade and I was looking out and you couldn't see the horizon. You just couldn't, it just went on and on and on. And it just reminded me of God's endless love. And this is the thing, God has poured himself into his creation so that we would know him. And he has generously poured so much out. We could talk about creation over and over again, but... But this is the idea that in creation we see that our God is generous. 
He has given us so much. The other thing that we've seen God generous in is in redemption. Do we understand that even before sin came into the world, before mankind went on this pathway of brokenness and shame and sin and, and, and all that that means and death ultimately, God had already conceived a plan to rescue mankind. It says in Revelation 13.8 that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world, which means that God knew he loved us so much and he was generous enough to have a rescue plan for all of humankind. And when he created that rescue plan, he didn't do it in half measures. God gave his very best. He didn't leave any stone unturned. He, he did everything possible to rescue us and restore us back into his image as his children. And his best, God's best that he gave, was himself. How incredible is that? This is our generous God. This is our God who is generous, that he gave all of himself for our benefit. He paid the ransom for our debt. He gave every part of himself, driven by his love and grace, his generous nature spared nothing, spared no cost to bring us back to himself. I want to share with you from... Oh, where is my... Oh, I've lost my scripture. I'll read it to you. I want to share with you from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 8. It's a powerful expression of God's generosity to us in redemption. It says there, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That's just the first part. So just think of that for a moment. We'll pause there. He has blessed us with every, all, then say he's blessed us with some, a little bit of blessing. He has blessed us with every or all spiritual blessings. So what does that mean? There's, there's no limit. Every blessing that God has, he has given to us. How incredible is that? Even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now we know we can't do that in our own strength and say, how did he do that? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's the only way it's possible. We'd never do it in our own. So he, he brought this plan to bring us back to him through Himself, Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. And guess what? And it gave him great pleasure. Now, some of you, well, mums aren't like this so much, but dads are more, begrudgingly help you do something. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah, you're my child. I'll help you do your homework. Um, I'm tired after a big day at work, but, you know, I'll begrudgingly make dinner tonight, whatever. But God's not like that. He gave him great pleasure to bring us back to himself. So we praise God for the glorious 
grace, excuse me, he has poured out. He hasn't just let it out or trickled it out. He has poured it out on us who belong to his dear son. And it says, goes on to say, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And then it says, he has showered us with his kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. He hasn't just given us a little bit, he has poured and showered it upon us. It's just incredible. And this is the language of a lavishly generous God. A God who did everything he could to rescue us and gave everything of himself. So he didn't give out of his abundance, but rather he gave every part of himself. And in doing so, he shows us what generosity really looks like. Generosity isn't just giving when you've got enough. Generosity is giving everything of yourself when that's required. And so creation and redemption are just two examples of God's generosity. But today I want to share with you an example from my experience where I have discovered God's generosity. And it happens to be Mother's Day, so this example, this personal experience in my life actually comes from my mum who's up the back there and um, I want to share with you how she taught me through her practical faith in God how to be generous and what generosity is all about now naturally we know mothers are very generous they're an incredible example of generosity as fathers I have or as a father Maybe other fathers might have an idea. But me as a father, I would never give up my body for nine months to carry my child. I've got too many other more important things to do. Isn't that right? But mothers are excited for the fact that they can carry this baby. Like Ever since Tanya's been pregnant, she's not stopped smiling. It's like, give her another few months and who knows when there's this big thing. But... But, uh, but the reality is mothers just seem destined to carry children and they just love it and they generously give over their body, not just for the nine months, but for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it's a, forever. And dads are, can't wait till they get out of the house, but mums just never stop mothering. And I, I totally understand that's not everyone's experience, so I don't say that jokingly or or carelessly, I say, understanding that for some, the mothering experience or their experience of their mums is not one of love and kindness, but of pain and hurt. And so when I share about my mum's story today, I, I don't share it to say, hey, this is perfect. I share it to I hope to encourage you that in people's lives, you can see God and can learn who God is through the example of others. Amen. And in my case, and in my brother's and sister's case, my mum blazed a path for us as kids to follow, um, and especially when it comes to generosity. So just to paint the picture, I'll remind, and many of us here have heard my mum's story, but I'll just remind you, for those of you who, 
who haven't heard it, what my mum's story is. She moved to Australia as a teenager. She was around 18 years of age with her sister. The two of them came out here on their own to meet their brothers or brother. And, um, and then as she came to Australia, once she was here, she met the man of her dreams, the man who she thought she'd lived the rest of her life with and unbeknownst to her, he actually, rather than a man of her dreams, became the man of her nightmares. He, he was a gambler, he was a womanizer, and he did all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, he, at some points of her life, when she had small kids, he would disappear for months on end. And, um, and then he, he was a womanizer as well, had multiple affairs with extra marital affairs. And uh, when my mum would confront him on it, numbers of times he would just beat her and tell her that, to not talk about it. And the way he'd deal with it was to hit her. Um, and this was her life. And then at one point with five kids, he actually got another young lady pregnant. And at that point, he decided to leave us. And, um, and so my mum was left with five kids on her own all by herself, didn't speak a lot of English, had only been in Australia for uh, maybe 15 years and, uh, and was left with five kids. So her life collapsed around her. She, she had what we would describe in those days as a nervous breakdown. We'd probably describe it in other ways today. And she was in and out of hospital. Us kids were sent out to family. And, uh, and then at one point, and at Probably, this is the incredible thing, at probably her darkest point, she'd just come out of hospital, we'd moved into a two-bedroom flat that my uncle, her brother, owned, and so she had five kids uh, living in this flat, her life had fallen apart, no husband, and it was at that point, at her lowest point, that God entered the picture. A friend of hers had sent her sister around, told her sister, you need to go talk to Maria because she needs help. And so she went around to visit her and knocked on her door and introduced her to Jesus. And from that point, my mum's life totally transformed. She, her life was turned around. She, it was turned around so much. I'll just explain it like this, just so you understand. So my dad left. She fell in a hole and struggled to get out. But when she accepted Jesus in her life, she went and told her brothers and sister uh, what had happened and they basically said to her Maria you could do anything but if you change religion they were Catholic at the time and this is in the early 70s if you change religion um, we don't want anything to do with you so literally kicked us out of the two-bedroom flat and we had nowhere to live thankfully God who is rich in his grace and love and mercy we were part of a small church at that time but they found us somewhere to live and but in that experience of being disowned by her family she did not collapse her life did not fall apart but she had discovered this generous God this abundantly generous God who was there for her that loved her and and gave her grace and salvation and and she had discovered that and nothing was ever the same again for her this is the incredible thing about my mum 
is that because God had lavished so much grace and love on her, she decided that she was going to lavish grace and love on others. I remember growing up, you can imagine, this is the early 70s. I was the youngest of the five. Uh, I was about two when my dad walked out. And I can remember growing up, us not having a lot. We, we were pretty well poor. My mum lived on a what they called back then a widow's pension, which wasn't a lot. But I can't remember us never having what we needed. God always provided. He always provided food in the fridge. He always provided clothes on my back, even if it was my sister's jumper from last year. It didn't matter. We still had clothes. And we still had a roof over our head. And, and there, this is the thing that my mum would do, is that she decided that she would do all she could and give of her life for her kids to, to make sure we had everything we needed. Because God had been so good to her. So she got the widow's pension, but she would do odd jobs around the place just to get enough money to make sure we had everything we needed. So she generously gave to her family, and not just in finances, but in her time, in her love, in her care. My mum, if you know her, she, she doesn't do it now because she's not able as she's older, but she was always cooking. She was always cooking food. She was always making food, getting stuff ready. Every year, as good Italians would do, we would make tomato sauce, or passato as you'd know. And they would literally make hundreds of bottles of this stuff and we'd store it under the house. We were in this small, we ended up in a housing trust house, a weatherboard house that was on stilts. And so we'd store it underneath because it was nice and cool under there. And it would provide us tomato sauce for pasta all year round. Isn't that wonderful? But this is her idea. She would do whatever it takes. She'd, be, she'd always be sewing or knitting or doing something to provide for her family. And this, this is the, the type of generosity that she showed, is that even when other people were in need, I remember my sister Chris was doing a hairdressing apprenticeship, and all of a sudden, I was only young, um, maybe 10 or 9 or 10, and all of a sudden we had this other person living in our house. I didn't know what was going on, but she needed, she was from the country, she was doing a hairdressing apprenticeship with my sister and she needed somewhere to live so my mum said she can come and live with us so all of a sudden we had another person in the house she just happily opened the door people often ask me you know you've had people living in your house over the years why do you do that That's, it's just the example I know that if someone's in need you help them out you open your door even though it's not always easy you just do it and, and I always remember for us, it'd be church on Sunday, no matter if you wanted to go or not, you just went to church, because that's what we do. If you live in my house, my mum would say, we go to church Sundays. And after church, every Sunday, there would be Sunday lunch. And somehow, there would be this massive spread of food. And there would always be people invited to enjoy this massive spread of food. The table, and we had a small house. Right? It, was, it was just little, but it was full of people and my mum would feed them and there was always plenty there'd be pasta meatballs schnitzels whatever you could do I don't know when she cooked it or how she did it but she did it and so from her little that she had 
she used it to bless others because her simple idea was God has blessed me so much, I need to bless others. And and that whole lifestyle was my example, that her hospitality and all of that. But the thing that the act of generosity that spoke to me more than all of those things in my mum was not it didn't involve resource, it didn't involve food, it didn't involve money, didn't involve clothes or a loving home to live in. But the greatest act of generos- generosity she ever performed for me was the act to forgive my dad for what he had done to us. She tells the story, and if you ever have time with my mum, she'll tell you the story, you trust me. Um, but when, when she first became a Christian, as a young Christian, she was sitting in church, and she had me on one side, and I would have been four or five, and she had my youngest sister on the other side, who's three years older than me, and she was sitting listening to the sermon, and the pastor was preaching about forgiveness. And it was really speaking to her and challenging her to forgive my dad for what he had done. And she, she's in the middle of this and she's going, God, if, if this is what you want me to do, she goes, I do it, but you have to look after my kids. You, you have to promise me that you look after my kids because I, I don't know if I can do this on my own without you. And so... She made a decision that day to forgive my dad for everything he had done. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but she was bawling her eyes out and crying and crying. And, and she said at that moment when she made the decision to, to forgive my dad, peace came into her heart. It just flooded her soul and she just knew God was with her, that she could, this is going to be all right, that even her with these... Five kids to raise on her own, it was going to be all right because God was with her and his peace came in. And she says a number of times through her life in difficult times, she, she experienced that same peace again uh, when she needed to know God was with her. Now, the interesting thing is it wasn't until a few years later that her choice on that day was tested. And as a... F- a few years later, when I was about 11, 12, no, I was 12 years of age, my mum got a phone call and my dad had had an accident and he was in hospital. And long story short, he was in a coma at one point and then he, he, the, the accident had damaged him so much that he was in, um, disabled quite significantly and, uh, and he never came out of hospital he passed away after nine months. But the incredible thing is that my mum had a choice. Do I live in this forgiveness or don't I? And to my horror, and I'll be honest, to my, as a 12-year-old, I watched her start to go to the hospital every week, every, as much as she could. I watched her like nursing my dad and caring for him and looking after him and, and being the forgiving person that she was treating him with the respect and value that God had for him and to me I just thought she was stupid to be honest I thought after everything I didn't know what God had spoken to her in that message and that 
But I just thought, after everything is done to it, how can you do that, mum? And I, I remember her even praying for his soul. God, if anything can happen in this next period of time, if you could just help him know Jesus, that would be the best thing ever. And it actually did happen. Even in the state he was, I, my older brother, who's 11 years older than me, led him through the sinner's prayer and prayed with him and he responded by a squeeze of his hand. And so her, her act, she didn't just forgive him in words, she forgive, forgave him with her life and generously gave to him. I remember as a, after he passed away, I remember having that revelation that, that she had that I realised in, in my own journey in trying to forgive my dad, I realised that if my mum could forgive him after everything he'd done for her, then I needed to forgive him as well. And this is the thing about that moment for me is that her generosity in forgiving him but also continuing to love him and care for him was an example to me of God's love and forgiveness for me. If I could describe my mum's experience in any way, it would be from Luke 21, where Jesus talks about the story of the widow with two mites. It says there, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box when a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus said these words, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. My mum's example is exactly that. She didn't just give out of her surplus or out of her abundance. She gave all that she has. And the only reason she was able to do that because she had experienced the generous God that we serve that she had discovered that God was so generous to her in, in everything by keeping her th through raising five kids on her own uh, and, and doing all of that stuff. She had discovered a generous God who doesn't give out of his abundance but gives with everything he has. And this is what God is asking us. And this is our challenge today is to see God's lavish generosity in every part of our lives and respond with grateful hearts as well. Because at the end of the day, people who are grateful will also be generous. And so what we're going to do now as we come to a close is we're going to share communion together because there's no greater example of God's generosity than the sacrament of communion. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to begin to hand out the emblems. As I said earlier, generosity is an attitude that wants to give whatever we can, no matter what place we find ourselves in. It's God's example, and as we're receiving the emblems, God's example to us, whether we look at creation or look at 
the emblems in our hand is God's example to us is that he is generous. God is generous. God has lavished his love and grace upon us. He hasn't held anything of himself back. He has given us his very, very best. And in your hands today, you hold his very best. The blood and body of his son. He has paid everything that was required so that we could have freedom from sin. This is the great thing that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember my generosity to you. Remember everything I have given you. That I have held nothing back of myself. I have given you all of myself. In your hands you hold the evidence of what God has done for you. The evidence of his generosity. The evidence that he has given his whole self to you. We must never forget God's lavish generosity. But here is the challenge. As we hold these emblems in our hand, we need to consider our gratitude for them and our gratefulness for them and our thankfulness for them. But it's one thing, like my mum forgiving my dad, it's another thing to act on it. And I guess I would challenge us today that as we hold these emblems in our hand that we would make a commitment to God to live out that same kind of lavish generosity to God and to the world around us. That we as his children would say, God, I commit myself today because of the emblems I hold in my hand because you have given me so, so much that I would commit myself to giving you every part of myself as well. That I would hold nothing back. That I wouldn't wait for the right time or the right place that I might give you something. But I would realise that I want to give you all of myself even right now. Whatever you would want me to do. So let's not just give generously when we have an abundance. But let's always find a way to be generous no matter what place we find ourselves in. Let's always aim to be generous because our God is generous and has been generous and will continue to be generous to us all the time. Let's follow his example and be generous with all of our lives. Not just wait for the right time, but realise that now is the time to be generous. So if you've got your emblems, I'd ask you to stand. In your hands you hold the symbol of a gift that is beyond anything we could really imagine or conceive. That God would give himself his very self for us. He held nothing back. He gave it all. Today I pray that as we eat and drink, that we would ask God to help us live that same kind of life. Amen. Let's eat and drink.
Lord God, we thank you for your lavish generosity that you have given all of yourself for us. Oh God, help us not to take that lightly or take it even for granted, but help us to always be grateful and help us show our gratitude in the way we treat others around us as well, God, that we would be generous to others in every way and in any way we can. It's not just about resource and money, but it's in our lives and our time and our listening and our just being present in people's lives. God, help us to be generous in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.